0: But If you got your bibles there, I'll get you to open up to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 and, and this morning we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about ears and hearts. Ears and hearts. Two very important things. In the scriptures, your ears and your hearts. The reason why we're going to be talking about this this morning is, is because there's so many voices. Firstly, there's so many voices in this world that you can be listening to. So many. There, there, there always has been. There always has been a way to this world. There always be, has been a, a, a message and, and and a kingdom of darkness that has been at work trying to influence and been trying to... Uh, propagate their their doctrines and their ideas into people's lives. There's so many voices you can be listening to, and it's incredibly important that we make sure that we are listening to the one voice that matters, that we're listening to the one voice that brings life and freedom and hope and joy. And so in the midst of all the voices, in the midst of all the voices you can be listening to, I feel like this morning is a bit of a, a spiritual checkup in that way. In, in this way, to, to ask how you're going actually listening to what God is speaking. We're going to get into this parable in a moment, but I think, I think it's incredibly important for us to be paying attention, to be paying attention to the way we are being affected by the world. Now, I'm not saying that, that we need to become hermits or, or monks and go off into seclusion and, and never have any contact with the outside world or anything like that. I think, I think as Christians, we should be transformed by the gospel and then step out into the world to transform the world and not the other way around. So I don't think we should become hermits. But there is a very real effect that the world is trying to have on you. And in one of the major ways which that happens is, is through what you see and what you hear and what you actually listen to and and watch. Um, uh, uh I got a prime prime example prime example of uh, of this from just this week, um, tail end of the week uh, last week. I had some some uh, time away, uh, just sort of getting alone with God, and um, and you know by my wife's advice, she said you know just delete social media from your phone so you don't get distracted, and uh, you know she's normally wiser than me on these things. So I took her advice and I, and I deleted uh, Facebook from my phone, and I just spent some time away with the Lord. I had a beautiful time, uh, amazing time with the Lord. And, um, and I, got back, I got back yesterday, and I put Facebook back on my phone because I had a friend message me and said, oh, did you see this particular conversation that was going on on Facebook? Um, because this sort of thing would probably usually interest me. And so I got Facebook back on my phone, and I went to this particular conversation that was taking place. I was just reading, I was just like, I just immediately felt this heaviness, this anxiety. begin. I'm like, what is this? Just purely from a pastoral perspective, I'd like you, to, I'd like you to, to be very aware of the effect that media is having on you. Social media, it's, it's designed to be addictive, it's designed to, to, to produce anxiety in you. The way the algorithm works is they've worked out that, that if they can show you stuff that makes you anxious, makes you nervous, makes you angry, you are more likely to stay on their platform for longer which means you're more likely to engage in their ads, which means they're more likely to make money. <clears throat> Social media is not the devil, but it is having an effect on you. I want you to be aware of it. As well as mainstream media, you know, and I'm not going to give them a big beat up because they're getting pretty beat up at the moment. Um, but there, there is propaganda and there's there's you know there's angles and bents that are being propagated through mainstream media alternate media you know people think just because it's not one of the you know the big newspapers or you know um, you know fairfax media or one of the big channels or radio whatever it is that somehow it's safer that it somehow doesn't have the com- it doesn't have the confirmation bias or that it's somehow more accurate and more correct that's just simply not true at all All media is seeking to affect and influence your view on the world. And just from a pastoral perspective, I would just like to raise your awareness to that. Just begin thinking about what you're engaging with and what you're allowing to affect your worldview. And I'm not saying you don't need to be informed. Um, Being informed is good. Um, But watch your heart and what it's actually producing in there. Um, So, anyways, back to to the Bible, because that's what we're here for. Um, I'm going I'm to read this passage of scripture and then we're going we're to talk about what I think is happening here. Uh, Jesus says this uh, in Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 10. He says, When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. He answered them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside, everything comes in parables, so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive, and they may indeed listen. And yet not understand. Otherwise they might turn back and be forgiven. Then he said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? The sower sows the word. Some are like the word sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. Others are like seeds sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word... They immediately fall away. Others are like seeds sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those like seeds sown on good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what is sown. He also said to them, is a the lamp? brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed, isn't it to be put on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed, and nothing concealed that will not be brought to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and more will be added to you. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So, why does Jesus speak in parables? Why does Jesus speak in parables? Well, it gives us this answer. He says, he says here in verse 12, he says it's so that those who were listening to him could look that they could and yet not perceive what they were looking at, that they would listen and not understand what they were listening to. And the purpose of this is because at the time, at the time the nation of Israel had become so hard that when Jesus came, it was an act of, uh, in many ways, it was an act of judgment, that he was coming, and he was preaching and proclaiming the kingdom in ways and means which they could not perceive or understand. But he says this, he says, the secret of the kingdom has been given to uh, his disciples here. Now, now, now you've you got, you got to take a, a, t- take a moment, and, and sometimes it's actually helpful to just kind of put yourself in the shoes, put yourself in the shoes of of the people of the day, all right? Because so often, so often we can look at it and go, okay, yeah, like they probably deserved it. They were really hard of heart and you know, all this stuff. But, but imagine, imagine this, imagine, you know, you take the day off from work because this Jesus guy has come to town, right? Now you've heard lots of amazing things about this Jesus guy. Right, he's he, he, you hear he's an amazing teacher. You hear he's a miracle worker. He's just healed a bunch of people. This is amazing. And you come and you and you sit down, and you start listening to him. You start listening to him, and he's he's like, okay, he's about to teach. He's about to teach. What's he going to teach? And he stands up. He's like, you know. He says, uh, he taught them many things. He says, listen. Here's a lesson for you today. A sower went out to sow, and as he scattered the seed. Some of the seed fell on the path, and the birds of the air came and ate it. Some of the seed that he scattered fell on rocky ground. Some seed fell on, some seed fell on, uh, amongst the thorns. And some seed fell on good soil, and it produced fruit, 30, 60, 100 fold. Those of you who have ears to hear, listen up. And, And that's it. Now, imagine, imagine you're in those shoes. Now, obviously, we've got the secret of the kingdom right here, all right? We get the cheat sheet because we, <laughs> because we have the Bible, right? But imagine you're listening to that. Imagine the disappointment. I, I would be disappointed if somebody, spoke, if somebody was like, this is a deep and profound teaching. Here you go. It's just about scattering seed. I, I feel like I would be lost. And yet Jesus does this. And the reason why Jesus does this is because it's a testing of the heart. It's a testing of the heart. Jesus says here to his disciples that in this parable is the secret of the kingdom. In this parable is the secret of the kingdom. And it's actually by understanding this parable that you will actually understand all the other parables. It's it's incredibly profound what's happening here. That it's by this parable you are to understand all the other parables. And so what we want to talk about is what's actually happening in this parable. Because we don't want to be like those who hear without understanding or see without perceiving. We want to make sure that we understand what's going on. So Jesus presents these four soils. These four soils. And these four soils actually, we find, actually represent the state of people's hearts. And I'm just going to briefly go through these and just make a couple points about each. So firstly, the first... State of soil is that on the path. It's hard. It's not a place you're supposed to sow seed, and yet the sower does it anyways. This this is people who have hard hearts. They have hard hearts. They're they're hearts who are simply unprepared. They're unyielding. They are not actually in a place to receive God's word. They're not in a place to receive what's actually being spoken to them. And because they're not in a place to receive what's spoken to them, When it's given to them, when it's given to them, it's right there on the surface. And it says that Satan actually just comes and snatches it up and takes it away before it can ever have any effect whatsoever. That's the first first path. Uh, That's that's the first soil. Now, I just want to make a note here that I don't think Jesus, when he's talking about it, I don't think he's talking about those who are in in or out of the kingdom. I don't think he's necessarily talking about those who are saved or unsaved. Now that's a scary thought, because he's talking about the secrets of the kingdom. He's not just talking about who's going to get in or who's not going to be in. He's talking about the state of people's hearts and how they actually receive anything from the Lord in the first place. And I can tell you this, there are some people, there are some people who have a profession of faith and may very well make it across the line in the end, and yet their hearts are hard. So much of their heart has become calloused that it's unable to receive more from the Lord. It's unable to receive more of what the kingdom is and what God wants to do in and through them. So just, so just be wary. Just because you're sitting here and, and you have a relationship with Jesus, check your heart. You may actually have blind spots. You may actually, I say may, you will have spots in your life that are still hard that you need the, the Lord to soften up, that you need the Lord to, to actually work on. That's the, that's the first soil. This, the second soil is the rocky ground. This is, this is, this is the ground that, that, while better at receiving the word, while better than receiving the word, it hasn't really been prepared as well as it could be. And so these are the type of people that, that when you preach the word or, or you share something from Scripture or God reveals something to them, it reveals them something to them, uh, either straight from the scriptures or they're in a time of prayer and the Lord drops something into their hearts or they have a dream or vision or any, any sort of, uh, of the ways in which God can speak or communicate to somebody. They receive it and it's good. It's good and, and they're excited about it for a moment. But the moment that the rubber meets the road and the moment that living out of that word becomes difficult or challenging, or you become persecuted because of your faith, because that word has not had space and time to go down deep and to become rooted in their hearts or in your, your heart, the word shrivels up and dies. It's unable to produce fruit. The third soil he talks about is the is the one with the thorns in it. These are the ones who receive the word gladly. The the soil of their heart is soft and tender. You're able to actually receive the things that God is actually speaking to you. But the issue is not so much the tenderness of the soil, but it's what's also there alongside the word. It's what's there also alongside the word. This third soil here is, is the soil that has been untended. It's been unkept. It's a soil that's received the word from the Lord, but that it's also received the word from the world. And it's allowed distractions. It's allowed things to be sown into their hearts. It's, it's people who have allowed things to be sown into their hearts and allowed things to be cultivated and developed there that are not from God. And the end result of this, the end result of this is it ends up choking out the word of God and what God is actually doing in and through our lives. Now, what's what's scary about this? What's scary about this is that Mark here gives a list of of three categories of things that, that fall into um, fall into this um, uh, category. Uh, he says these things, these thorns, these things that come in and choke out the word, are the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things. I've talked about this before, I've talked about this before, is, is, is the worries of the sage. So, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? Is God going to take care of me? What, so much of the time, when you begin worrying and, and you take your eyes off Jesus, that can begin to choke the life out of what God is doing in and through your life. The deceitfulness of wealth. Perhaps you're good at making money, or actually, you know what, let's not even say you have to be good at making money, because it, it's different for everybody. All right? You give somebody a million dollars and it's not going to shake. It's not going to affect their faith in the Lord. It's not going to affect how much they're relying on the Lord because their hearts are in a good place. They're able to manage and steward that amount of wealth. You give somebody a hundred dollars and it ruins their life. It's enough for them to fall away. So it's not necessarily about the amount of money, but it's about. The deceitfulness of wealth. Wealth has this ability. Wealth has this ability to tell you all is well with the world. I am safe and I am secure because my wealth is able to protect me. It's a, it's a false sense of power. It's a false sense of confidence. This is what wealth is able to do. And when when our confidence shifts from the Lord and his provision and his protection and what he's doing, and it shifts to our resources that we've managed to accumulate, or even our ability to accumulate resources, then what actually happens is is we actually, it begins to choke out the life of what God is doing in and through us. And then lastly, it's just this blanket category of the desire for other things. Do you have a desire for other things? what's your first love what's your heart's desire take a take a moment take a moment to just to go inside and begin to explore what's happening in your heart when i say that that it's the desire for other things that begins to choke out to begin to choke out the word and what it's doing in your life Lastly, lastly, we get to the good soil. Now, we all want to believe that we're good soil. That's kind of our default position. We always think more highly of ourselves than we ought. So let's all pretend it's other people who've got the bad soil. Everyone here, you're fine. But for them, I want you to listen up. For their sake. Not for yours, because obviously you're fine, you're perfect it's like it's <laughs> it's like it's like when I talk about my daughter. like I've got two boys and a and a and a girl, and she's like uh, sixteen, seventeen months, and so she's really sweet she's really beautiful, and I always tell my wife' it's like she's never going to do anything wrong. she is sugar and spice and everything nice, and yeah, I just can't ever see her doing anything wrong. That's you guys. <laughs> And everybody else, <laughs> everybody else is the older kids. Um, but the good soil, the good soil. All right, we all want to believe what the good soil. Here's what the good soil looks like, though. He says, he says, and those like seed sown on good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit thirty, sixty, and a hundred times. What is sown. So it's not a matter of simply just coming to church and hearing the word preached, or it's not a matter of, of at, when you're at home getting your Bible and opening up and just letting your eyes fall over the page for your set amount of time. You set a timer to make sure you don't go over because, you know. It's not a matter of simply just hearing the word or seeing the Word, but you welcome it. One of of the things about people who are good soil is they actually welcome the Word into their hearts. Their desire is to have God and what He says affect who they are and how they actually live. And to allow that process to happen at a very deep heart level. To allow that process to happen at a very deep, deep heart level, to welcome it, to welcome his change, to welcome his correction, to welcome his perspective on the world. But then it goes on that the good soil is not just those who hear the word, welcome it into their hearts, but it's those who then produce fruit. And when you produce fruit, it's 30, 60, and 100 times what is sown. God has saved you. God has rescued you. Jesus came and he died on the cross and he was resurrected from the dead, victorious over sin and death, so that you would bear fruit, so that you would be able to produce life, so that your life would be changed and transformed, and in turn, you would be able to produce that in other people. You would be able to give that out to other people. And so, have a moment. Have a moment to think, well, which soil am I? Which soil am I? Am I somebody, who, am I somebody who's, who's genuinely, you know, even this morning, um, I came in and honestly, I, I'm tired. I had a really busy week. So I'm just going to sit and I'm going to get through this thing. I'll be the first to admit, I have had Sundays like that. And it's those Sundays when the word that was preached, more often than not, has been unprofitable in my life. It has not had the effect that it should have had in my life. There's been times when I've opened up my Bible because I know I should. And I set a timer. Fifteen minutes, here we go. Or four chapters, I'm going to get through four chapters, here we go. All right, hope my speed reading course has paid off because I'm gonna get through this as quickly as possible and make sure that the Lord is happy with how much I've read today. What we find though, what we find though, and, and honestly, it's it's so funny. It's so funny because those of you who've been around long enough will know that in like the last like two years, I've preached this passage like four times. It's because every time I, I, like, (laughs) just this week, I was reading it again, and it, it just hit me in a different way than it had the previous times. You know, you feel like you understand a certain passage of Scripture, and then there's that one time you read it, and you're like, well, where was that the other 30 times? Is this new? This is the new edition? They got new verses in here? This is nice. This is nice. This is a nice version of the Bible. It's got more verses than yours. But what happens, what happens is, is as you spend time in the Word, as you spend time paying attention to what the Lord is doing in your life, it begins to bear fruit. Now, now all of that is sort of preamble to, to really kind of what I feel like, really I feel like what we want to look at this morning. And he says, he says this in verse 21. And he says to them, he says this is weird, this weird little interlude. He says, he says to them, after this discussion on the seed and the sowing and all this stuff, he says, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? Isn't it to be put on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed and nothing concealed that will not be brought to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like the first hundred times I ever read that. I, I really got worried. I really got worried. Bit. Well, it's not worried, but like as in, I really just felt like what he was talking about was like secret sin. You know? Like what he's talking about here is like, you know, alright, now we talk about the good soil, the bad soil, all the soils in between, but now there's this discussion about light and lamps and revealing and uncovering things. And so just so you know, there's nothing that's done in darkness that won't be revealed. There's nothing that's hidden that won't be brought to the surface. So just repent and confess your sin now, all right? Otherwise, it's going to come out eventually, on that day, on that day when all things are revealed. And, and while that is absolutely true, that one day there will be a great revealing of people's hearts, there will be a great revealing of all things hidden. I think rather than a threat or a rebuke in this particular instance, I think it's an encouragement. I think it's actually an encouragement to his disciples. You see, because up here, up here he said in in verse 13, he says, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? But to you, the secrets of the kingdom have been given. Where did he say that? I know he said it. I got the book with the extra verses. I know he said it. Oh, man. Look. 11. Thank you. And this is why we read the Bible together. This is why it's so important you have your Bibles open (laughs) when we're preaching. Because sometimes you're more aware of what's happening. (laughs) So he says in verse 11, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. And so what he's doing for his disciples is that he's just told this parable, right? Which is just, straight over their heads and he's like guys come on if you can't understand this you can't understand almost anything i've been teaching you you've got to understand this principle the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you so i'm gonna unpack this for you I'm, I'm gonna show you what this parable means so that by it you begin to use it as a lens i think that this is an encouragement down here when he talks about light he's like look it may seem dim it may seem covered, it may seem confusing or cloudy right now, but trust me, trust me, light is meant to be, is not meant to be put under a basket, but it's meant to go on a lampstand. And when you do that, when you give the light, the primary uh, primary place in the house, when you give it the primary place in your heart, what it will begin to do is it will begin to shed light on everything else. It will begin to reveal. It will begin to uncover. Your understanding of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, will increase. Your understanding of God and how He's working and what He's doing will increase if you give the light that He's given you, the revelation that He's given you, primary place in your heart. If you give it the attention that it deserves... It will begin to unveil and uncover and give understanding to all things in the kingdom of heaven. Because he goes on to say, he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured to you and more will be added to you. You know, again, this is another one of these instances where I read this verse so many times, like pay attention to what you hear. So be careful about what you're going to listen to. And, and that's a that's a good principle. That's, that, that's absolutely a good principle. You should be you should be careful with the music that you listen to. You should be careful about what what media you're taking in. You should be careful about the things you're allowing to affect and influence your life. That's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about here, what he's talking about here, is pay attention to what you hear. He's speaking to them. So in your hearing right now, pay attention. Jesus, Jesus, what He's saying, like, here, look, I'm explaining this parable. Pay attention to what you're hearing. Pay attention to what you're hearing. Why? Because the measure you you use, it will be measured to you. The the amount that you will be able to understand, the amount you'll be able to comprehend and, and, and be transformed and changed by His Word is directly correlating... To how much attention you are giving to what he is saying. Does that make sense? The measure that you are using is what will be measured to you. And because he's good, he'll give you more than what you actually asked for in that regard. And this, this, is, a, this, is, a, this is a principle that, that affects all areas of your life. This is, this is not just a kingdom principle, this is a, this is a principle that will affect so many other areas of your life. There's a part of your brain, there's a part of your brain, I believe it's called like the reticular formation or something like that. And its job is to filter data for you and give you stuff that, that give you the stuff that is relevant to you. Right, so, so right now in this moment, right now in this moment, your body is taking in millions of bits of data through all your five senses. Okay? The light, what color things are, the sounds of things, right? What, what the bottoms of your feet feel like right now. You weren't aware of what the bottoms of your feet felt like, right, until I mentioned it. Yet that data was always there. That information was always coming in. But it's this part of your brain that says, you know what, you can really only focus on like five to seven things at like any one given time. So that's all I'm going to give you. And so what you focus on, you tend to get more of. What you focus on, you tend to find more of. If, if, if you are afraid of the world and what's happening in it, lo and behold, you are going to find reasons to be afraid. The world will become a terrifying place to you if that's what you're looking for. If you're looking for reasons to be hopeful, if you're looking for reasons to be joyful, if that's the lens which you are looking at the world, you will find those things that you're looking for. If your desire is to understand God's kingdom, if your desire is to understand His word, if your desire is to understand what is it He wants from you, when you give it the attention that it deserves, you will begin to find the answers to those things. The more time you sit and meditate with the scriptures, the more they open up. The more they open up. It's the most amazing thing in the world. You, you read a passage of scripture, and, and I would challenge you. I would challenge you. And, and I'm, I'm going to go to my go-to, right? 1 Corinthians 13, the love passage. Love is patient. Love is kindly. I want you to take that passage. If, if, if you don't believe me about this, take that passage of scripture. I want you to sit with it for a week. And what I want you to do is I want you to not just sit with it. I want you to write it out slowly. Love is patient. Okay? Love is kind. Love does not envy. It doesn't boast. It's not self-seeking. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. And then, and then allow yourself to be shaped By that reality. Well, okay. Well, it says that God is love. Okay, so man, that that means God's patient. What does it mean for God to be patient? What does it mean for God to be merciful? What does it mean for God to be kind? You know, too many people in this world still think, Christians even, still interact with God like He's capricious? I would encourage you, I would encourage you to spend time, spend time allowing the Word, allowing the Word to affect you and to change you and to let it sit with you and give it the attention it deserves. And when you do, when you do, you will find it begins to open up. And there's so much in there. There's so much more to understand, so much more to grasp and to lay hold of, so much more to understand about His kingdom than you ever, ever could have imagined. Unless you're walking in holiness like Jesus walked in holiness, unless you're walking with intimacy with the Father like Jesus walked in intimacy with the Father, unless you're walking in power like Jesus walked in power, you've got a ways to go. I've got a ways to go. Pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and more will be added to you. And he, and he says, for whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. You know, I remember reading that for years and thinking, that's a rough deal. Poor guy doesn't have anything, and it's going to get taken away. It's so <laughs> like, it's like I saw, remember I saw this sign um, in a subway. It's, um, and it was just like, um, stay off the rails. If you touch the third rail, it will kill you, essentially. Like there's a warning, right? So uh, basically, if you get electrocuted, you'll die. And then there's also a $300 fine. <laughs> and, the, and the caption that was going around with it was, just when you think you've hit rock bottom, someone throws you the shovel. <laughs> So I just read this and oh go, man, poor guy. Doesn't have anything. Doesn't have anything. And even what he has, that's going to get taken from him. We've got to remember, Jesus has already just given us a lens through which to view this. The seed that's sown on the path, it has the seed. It has the word. But because it wasn't prepared... Because it was hard, because it wasn't attentive to what it was hearing, to what it was receiving, Satan came and snatched it away. I want to encourage you, just as a, a spiritual checkup, and ask you the question, how well have you been listening? How well have you been listening? And there's there's, there's no, this this is not, this is not, for you to feel ashamed. It's not for you to feel um, oppressed or anything like that, but just a genuine question for you to consider in your own heart. How well have I been listening? How well have I been listening recently to what the Lord's been speaking to me? How, have I been spending time? Let, let, let's, okay, let, you know, some people, some people that feel like they hear from the Lord all the time, all right? And, and I, believe, I believe you can. I, I believe God speaks through all sorts of different avenues and venues. I believe he speaks through dreams through visions, in moments of prayer when he drops words into your heart. I believe he speaks through all sorts of things. You've been driving down the highway, you could see a bumper sticker, and it has a slogan or whatever it on it, and it's like the answer to your prayer. It's like the exact slogan you needed to hear in that moment as an answer to your prayer. God speaks through all sorts of different ways. He speaks through his word. He speaks through sermons and preaching and all these sorts of things, right? How well have you been listening and let's say, let's say you're like, well, I don't, I don't feel like God speaks to me in any of those ways. Well, let, let's let's be let's speak more broadly. When when you open up His Word, is it meaningful to you? Doesn't mean you have to have you know studied systematic theologies. It doesn't mean you had to you know go read a whole bunch of commentaries and all sorts of stuff. Like, does God move on your heart through the Word? Have you given Him space in your life to do that? Uh, w- w- are, you, are you paying attention to what God is speaking to His church? In, 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 like Corporately for us. Has intimacy with the Lord become a priority for you? This is something that we've felt like God has hammered so many times with us. It's been over and over again, over and over to Return to your first love. Return to your first love. Return to your first love. You need to be intimate. You need to be close to me. You need to hear my heart has that begun to resonate with you? Has that begun to change and affect the way you're actually living your life even now? Has worship has worship become a priority for you? And not just coming here on a Sunday, but in your private times, in your personal time. Has worship become priority for you? Do you just spend time worshiping the Lord? Because that's something else that the Lord's been speaking to us corporately, about here as a church. I just want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you that God loves you and He's he's patient and He's good. But the state of the soil, I don't think it's on Him. I think it's on us. Are you going to listen? Are you going to be paying attention? Are you going to be Somebody who receives the word, not just hears it, but welcomes it. Welcomes it and allows it to actually bear fruit in their lives. Are you going to be someone who who is like God? I don't just want to. I don't just want to stay in the same place, but I want to grow. I want to know you so much more. And and God, I want to know you. And I want to know. I want to understand your kingdom. I want to understand your ways. I want to understand how it is you work. I want to understand why. Why, God, is it that that some people pray for the sick to be healed and they get healed and I do it and it doesn't happen? Why? What's happening there, Lord? That needs some attention from me. And you'll be amazed that as you begin to pay attention to what it is God's speaking to you, both through the word and through what, what he's speaking to the church, but even to you as an individual, the more attention you give to it, the more the Lord will give you. You know, when it you know we talk talk about um, how um, God speaks through dreams and those sorts of things, and, and I remember it was probably like twenty eighteen, like I said I, I've always been a dreamer, I've I've dreamt, it feels like even from like when I was a kid, like from the moment my head hit the pillow I'd go into a dream and then wake up like eight hours later from a dream, um, but I, I always had really poor retention, never really paid attention to it because it just dreams right. Um, and it wasn't really until maybe, like, 2018 that the thought, like, it, it began to occur to me that some people actually receive from the Lord through dreams. I mean, it's all through this. There's plenty of people who receive from the Lord in dreams in this, in the Bible, you know, but it just never occurred to me that it could happen to me. Anyway, so, but I had a pretty significant dream. I had a pretty significant dream, um, I had a pretty significant dream in, in 2018, and I was like, hmm, that felt different. It felt weird. I, you know what? I'm going to write that down. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to sit on that and see, and see what happens with that. And so I think all of 2018, I like recorded like maybe four dreams because that's all I could remember. And then like 2019, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start paying attention to my dreams. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to pay attention to my dreams. And, and so like 2019, like I think I recorded maybe 20 or 30 dreams for the year. Those are ones that I could remember. And I I couldn't interpret like ninety percent of them. Like I, I remember I, I remember at this moment it's like I spent six months trying to work out this one dream. And I finally finally I finally understood it one day. And it was like it was just the most amazing experience. And then in twenty twenty, right, because again I'm just like, you know, well I went from like four or five dreams to like twenty or thirty. There's increase. Let's let's keep this let's keep this going. And yeah, and 2020, 2020, it was just like an absolute explosion, and yeah, it, it was a couple hundred dreams. Now I don't understand all of them, but I understand some of them, and the Lord has spoken through them many times. But the moment I've noticed, the moment I stop trying to be diligent. In recording and making sure that if I hear something from the Lord I want to make a record of it so that I can come back to it, it begins to disappear. It begins to get taken away. If God speaks to you through a dream and you don't write it down and some of you swear to me that you're really good at remembering, (laughs) you're not. (laughs) I can tell you right now there's been so many times when I've vividly remembered very clearly what happened in a dream and then gone back and looked at my notes and gone yeah, I missed like a bunch of stuff. I'd forgotten it already. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to spend more time in the Word. I want to just encourage you to spend more time in prayer. And I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to pay more attention to what the Lord's speaking to you as an individual. What are the things that He's placed in you? Even if you're like, man, I, even, I have no idea where to even begin. Where to even begin paying attention to what the Lord is speaking to me. I want to encourage you to start with the principle that the Lord loves you and He wants to speak to you. And so come into your prayer times and going, God, I know you want to speak to me. And I'm here to simply receive. Open up your word. Spend some time in prayer. If you receive an impression or something like that, even if it's faint, even if it seems dumb, write it down. Even if you're wrong, I believe the Lord actually honors that. He sees the attentiveness. He sees that you, you, you actually want to draw closer to him, that you want to hear from him. And I think when he sees that, he gives you more. And he gives it clearer. And he begins to develop and to, to transform that part of your life. And you will begin to know, you'll begin to understand him, the way he works, his character and his nature and the way of his kingdom so much more clearly, so much more beautifully. And so really this morning is just a spiritual checkup in, in that regard. How well are you listening? Because the state of your heart absolutely depends on it. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite the team back uh, to work to uh, lead us in some uh, worship. And I would just encourage you to, to take that before the Lord. To be mindful of, of where your attention's at. Is your focus on Him? Is He your first love? Have you allowed things into your heart that are stealing your attention, are becoming a distraction, that are hindering you from worship? All really important questions to take before the Lord and ask Him. He's good. He's a good Father, and He loves you more than you can even comprehend. And His desire is to meet you right where you're at. There's no, there's no, I'm just going to quote Romans 8, there's no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when you carry around any shame or condemnation, it's not from Him. And if it's not from Him, you could just feel free to disregard it. You can feel free to discard it. Come to Him. Take that burden to Him. I don't want you to walk away from this morning feeling condemned or feeling ashamed. That is not my heart. My heart for you is to simply ask the question, how are you going? Are you listening? Because He desires to speak to you even more than you even want to hear. All right, let's pray. Lord, you are good. You are so good. You are kind and you are gracious. Help us to be good listeners. Help us to not simply just be surface-level hearers. but Help us to love your word. Help us to love your voice. Help us to be transformed by your kingdom in your ways. Help us to be patient and enduring, waiting for the fruit. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now, Lord, that where the enemy is putting any sort of shame or condemnation on people, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would deal with that right now in Jesus' name. And I pray instead you would help people lift their eyes to Jesus, stir up worship in their hearts. We thank you, Jesus.